weekend dough. Get him on the phone. Say he got a play. Bring it to the brain. Turn the rain to snow. Tripping head to toe. The USA beat Canada 2-0 in the Nation Cup's final. They look impressive. BJ Callingham has that team looking amazing. First game after Bellhauser has been announced that he will be returning to the U.S. men's national team. And, man, they look they look good. We'll touch on that. Also, Mexico win third place. They beat Panama. And the fans finally let them know what's good you know it's it's not acceptable how bad they've been playing and they let them know i'm proud of the fans we'll touch on how bad mexico looks how how the future looks for mexico going into the gold cup going into the world cup in 2026 also bradley beal bradley beal to the suns crazy crazy stuff you got beal you got booker you got kd you got Aiden, and that's pretty much it we'll see how the suns fill out the roster but you know, can they do it? They are pretty stacked, but um, we'll see if they're able to do it. We'll see if they have the depth to compete. And finally, my boy Tiafo makes the top 10, ATP top 10 for the first time. Give it up for Tiafo. Super proud of him. Uh, first time in like 11 years that there's two Americans in the top 10. And first time in a long time that there's an African-American in the top 10. So congratulations to Tiafo. He's probably one of my top five favorite tennis players at the moment. So super happy for Tiafo. But all of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. The, the U.S. wrap up an impressive two-game stretch, beating Canada 2-0. They look amazing. They look great. Honestly, they didn't even look like they were struggling that much. It didn't look like... Um, the match was ever at hand. I mean, props to Canada for getting to the final and props to Canada for really having a better program these last few years. And they have amazing talent, namely Alfonso Davies. But the U.S. looked super superior in this game. They had the better chances, even though they did concede most of the possession. They were always the most dangerous team and they never really looked like they were going to lose control of the game. The U.S. are impressive, man. They are deep. They, this is this is the golden generation. This is the best generation ever for the U.S., especially with Balagoon leading the front line now. Like, it's insane. He scores his first goal. Um, Reina scores two assists. We'll see what injury he picked up. Uh, it, I believe it's a calf injury. He, he was limping pretty hard um, afterwards in the celebrations, but hopefully it's nothing crazy. And he's ready for the Gold Cup. But, man, the U.S., the, this U.S. team is so exciting. Like, you lose McKinney, Tyler Adams is not there, Dest is not there, um, and and they don't miss a beat, man. They look good. Uh, I like what I like what um, B.J. Callingham did. Instead of just putting a, a natural center midfielder, he put uh, Aaron Sin. I like what this guy B.J. Callingham is looking. I'm going to lie. Not gonna lie, this is the best the U.S. has looked in a long time. Like he, he has this team going forward. Even when they sit back and they concede the possession to Canada, it it all they always look dangerous. They always look like they could uh, create a chance and go forward. And uh, just the lineup that he set out there with Balogun, Tim Weah, uh, Pulisic, Reina, Aronson, like that's that's a nice that's a nice starting eleven with so many people. Uh, missing out but overall the u.s looked like the better team the whole game like i said canada had the possession uh, i believe like 60 69 percent of it or something like that or like 62 
but they never looked that dangerous. Uh, they never ma- made Matt Turner like the hero or anything like that. They never really pressured the the back line like that. Um, but yeah, overall, the USA look really, really good. They look like the dominant team in the CONCACAF, and we'll see if they're able to carry that into the Gold Cup and into, you know, Copa America and the World Cup. Like, this is a big, big cycle for the U.S., with the World Cup on home soil, home soil. I know it's marketed as U.S., Canada, and Mexico, but for the most part, all the games are going to be in the U.S. Like after the first round of the knockout stages, I believe they're all in the U.S. So more than anybody else, like the U.S. needs to get their their act together and have a good team going into 2026. And I believe like they do the 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 depth, like Pepe, Pepe looks better. Um, Balagoon leading the front line. The wingers, Tim Weah always plays good with the U.S. He looks like he's playing more confident than ever. Pulisic, as long as he stays healthy and he he finds a club where he can play consistently, I think he'll go into the World Cup in a good form. We'll see what happens with Arison and McKinney and uh, if he stays in Juve or if he goes somewhere else. Tyler Adams, we'll see what happens with him too. But it's it's very exciting times for the U.S. to see to see these young players hungry and like and like skilled and and they look like their potential is limitless like this is very exciting times for the u.s super happy of what i'm seeing with the u.s super happy with the lineup that bj um callahan had out going out there super impressed with how much it looks like they're distancing themselves from the rest of the Concacaf, um especially with mexico like on a nosedive um canada still trying to find their footing still trying to f- um, see what game style suits the talent that they have the best very exciting times for the U.S. If you're a U.S. men's national team uh, supporter, if you're a casual soccer soccer fan for the U.S., this is the best time to hop in. Get in early. Don't just hop in for the World Cup in 2026. It's going to be a month-long party. And if you get in early right now, you know, you, you could be the guy that, that uh, during that month-long party in the U.S., you could be the guy that, you know, has memories to, to track back on. Not, not even if it just started right now, 2023 to 2026, hey, I... I saw them win the Nations League. I saw them win the Gold Cup. I, I saw them uh, go to the uh, Copa America. You could start saying, like, you could pick up little nuggets that during that month-long party in the U.S., you could drop here and there and be like, damn, this guy this guy knows what's good. But anyways, exciting times for the U.S. Congratulations to the men's national team for winning the Nations Cup. Uh, although it's the Nations Cup is um, a relatively super young tournament, it, it does seem like the players... Um, find it important not just in the CONCACAF side but even in the UEFA side like I think um, it's growing in, in its prestige and I, I like that because at the beginning of this Nations League um, everyone was called just like you know glorified friendlies which you know to a degree they still kind of are but to see players really like you know cry and really appreciate winning this championship it gives it a little bit more weight so I'm happy for that with that being said Bell Halter is back in the U.S. He's the coach. And I do not like that, man. I am not. I am one of the millions and millions of people that, that do not like that. Like, I'm stressed out. When that when that news dropped in the Mexico game, that was that was kind of heartbreaking, not going to lie. Like, they say that they, were, you know, hired a firm to do all these interviews and check out all these potential prospects, potential coaches. And they end up with him after, uh, you know, the... After the drama that he had with Reyna and Pepe and, like, the lineup choices that he had and, like, the defensive. Like, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, you know, 
I'm I'm wishing for the best, but like I just can't. I don't see it. I don't see how Bell Hutter is a coach to leave the U.S. men's national team into this new era, into the 2026 World Cup. Like his his tactics aren't even that good. His coaching style isn't even that good. As we see now with B.J. Callingham having this team playing amazing, like were the results were the results really um, Bell Hutter or was it just was it just the talent? It's so overwhelming. It's so it's so out there that you know you kind of have to really go out of your way to not succeed with this team. Like it's it's very it's very present. It's very you can see it that the talent that the U.S. has right now. It's the most talented roster that the U.S. has ever had, and I can say that like wholeheartedly. So I know I know the U.S. did make the 2018 World Cup. So to make the 2022 World Cup, like it should not be overlooked. Um, but the U.S. did end up, I believe, third place in the qualifiers. Like, it's not like they ran through the qualifiers. It's not like they, um, it's not like they were like a world beater and we were beating every every team, um, like three zero. And you know that's why Bell Hunter should stay. Like, nah, like he like it was a good qualifier by no means. It's obviously better, better than uh than the 2018 qualifier but like it was nothing crazy it was nothing special i, I believe two, with two games with two games left the u.s still had to um still had to sweat it out or like still had to get results like canada 28 points mexico 28 and then the u.s 25 costa rico with 25 um the only reason the u.s didn't go to uh to the playoffs for the world cup is because they had a better goal differential so by no means was like this the last World Cup cycle like amazing like it was a good it was way better than the one before obviously because we missed the World Cup but it wasn't like the U.S. wasn't world beater seven wins four draws three losses that's in the Concacaf that's not that's nothing crazy and the game style like he plays too defensive sometimes the the player selection I don't get it I don't like uh, I don't mean I, I don't want to be a pessimist but. I feel like we're going to go into the 2026 World Cup and we're going to um, look back at this cycle and look back at the players that we have, the ages of these players. And we're going to be like, damn, what could have happened if we had a league coach? Like, yes, Bell Hutter makes it to the 2026 World Cup and we maybe get to like, what, the round of 16 and or like maybe the round of eight. And, and we play like decent soccer, de- decent football we probably won't ever see an attacking U.S. national team like we did this weekend with B.J. Callahan, and we're always gonna wonder. I feel like I don't want I don't want this to be true, but I feel like this is this is how we're gonna feel. We're always gonna wonder well, how far could the U.S. have gone if they had you know a legit world class manager or even like a really good manager. What could he have gone out of this team? And the way he talks in the press conference too, like. Or like, or hopefully we're able to unlock Reyna's talent and, and all this. And I haven't talked to Pepe or Reyna. Like, I don't know, man. Reyna doesn't need someone to unlock his talent. He is a world class player. He plays for, uh, he plays for um, Borussia Dortmund. Like, he is a world class player. He's twenty years old. He's only gonna get better. Like, if anything, <laughs> Reyna should go up there and be like, I don't know. Nah, he shouldn't do that. But he should go up there and be like, you know, hopefully this talent of players could unlock. Bet Hotter's coaching potential. Like, if anything, he's the one that needs to, you know, find it in himself and be a better coach and unlock his inner great coach. Like, I don't know. I'm upset. I don't like it. 
Like, uh, I wanted them to hire someone else. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. If anything, they just wasted time. And they're wasting more time. He's not going to join the team till September. He's not going to be there for the Gold Cup. And my hope is that BJ Callahan, you know, has a great Gold Cup. That this team looks amazing in the whole Gold Cup. And then when Hatcher takes over the team, there's a drop-off. And then the U.S., uh, you know, directors and, and program look at their decision and be like, you know what, short leash on this guy. Like, if BJ Callahan, someone that doesn't have that much coaching experience, can may have them playing this good and look that great in the Gold Cup, and then you take over and it's back to this defensive, you know, lineups and not, not playing players where they're supposed to, leaving Rain on the bench, you're out, man. You're out. It's time for someone else. But it is what it is. You guys let me know what you guys think about Bellhalter leading the U.S. again into the next World Cup and how good the U.S. looked in the Nations Cup. But that's enough for the U.S. Let's talk about Mexico. Mexico are atrocious. Mexico is in a terrible place right now. Mexico is Mexico is lost, man. It's, it's so sad to see this national team play the way, how terrible they look on the field. The coach is, is lost. The players are lost. The fans are finally waking up and not going to the games. Not going to lie, I'm a hypocrite because I didn't get tickets to see them in the Gold Cup. I don't know if I'm going to go because, like, the performance that they're putting on display is not worth supporting. It's, like, they have to get the message. They have to get, like, they have to see that the fans are fed up because it's, it's ridiculous. Like, it's really ridiculous. Um, Mexico is such a proud country too. So- soccer, football is it's like their number one passion. You go anywhere in Mexico, that's all they, they want to do. They want to talk about soccer. They want to play soccer. They want to. It's 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 crazy. And now they've fallen behind the U.S. They've probably fallen behind Canada too. And you know the future looks very very bleak. Like the fact that Ochoa is still being relied as the goalkeeper. And, and nothing against Ochoa. I'm a big Ochoa fan, and I think he's a legend. And I think he has balls of steel for going to italy at the age of 36 37 just to you know continue to live out his european dream playing in europe i think that's amazing i think he's a leader i think more mexican players should follow his lead and leave you know the the comfortable lifestyle that they have in mexico with these like inflated wages and um super comfortable lifestyle that they have here in mexico and go try themselves in europe i know there's a lot of players that don't get chances kind of like linus and they have to come back but homie tried dude he went there at the age of 18 age 17 he didn't he couldn't make it he couldn't get playing time his fault or other people's fault you know that's for you know someone else to decide but he tried he went there at 18 came back at 21 um looks to revitalize his career in, in mexico and maybe go back um but he went and he tried man and and i think that's that's all we could say about our Mexican players. Sometimes they get too comfortable in Mexico. Sometimes the the teams ask for too much money and they don't let them go. But this is a, it's sad, man. As a Mexican national team supporter, as a Mexican, like it's sad to see the national team be this atrocious, this incompetent, this boring, showing such a lack of heart out there. Uh, especially the game against the U.S. left a sour taste in everyone's mouth. Like. Super, super disappointing performance in, in the football side. 
Like there was no chances created. I don't think they even got a shot off a, a shot on goal. Like it's it's so disappointing seeing the national team not create any chances. And the worst part is they they just lost their head and they started just kicking the U.S. men's players and and it just became a, like a brawl fight, like a like a like a fight, like a it just became like I don't even know what it became, but it just it looked it was embarrassing to to watch as a as a as a Mexican American as a as a Mexican first and foremost. It was just it was sad. Like if you guys are not gonna perform on the field, like at least have some dignity, at least you know hold up the the Mexican jersey up high like lose with some with some class with some with some you know respect like they went out swinging and in, in, in a bad way like you know a lot of times they say it's se murieron de nada which means like they died of nothing like they didn't go out there and you know really you know let's put forwards up there let's let's take a center back out let's let's put more midfielders let's try to do something like we're not gonna we're not just gonna sit back and, and lose like they ended up getting wrecked three o's at terrible scoreline they didn't get a shot on target they never looked dangerous and then they go and they get red cards and they dirty up the game and it was just embarrassing it was embarrassing uh i think coca needs to leave i never wanted him to be the coach i think he's he's over his head it doesn't look like he knows what he's doing how, how the fuck do you start santi on the bench he's he's arguably the best mexican player right now and he definitely had the best season out of any mexican in europe or even here in, in mexico or in the u.s like how is he not starting like he's like what 21 years old he's your biggest prospect he's your biggest player probably he's not just your biggest prospect he's probably your best player too and you you leave him on the bench against the u.s and it's i don't get it i don't get it I, antuna how does antuna keep getting playing time like that's insane i even tweeted about it i was like Antuna is gonna keep uh is gonna feed into my delusion that I could have gone pro like <laughs> the some of the plays that he does is just insane and he's a speed merchant and uh they're gonna keep on calling him because he's fast but you know his <laughs> I don't I don't get it like there's a lot of players that Mexico needs to let go of and Coca I don't I don't know like two two Argentinian head coaches back to back like uh, Mexico is a proud it's a proud football country with lots of good soccer players uh you know obviously they're not doing that well right now but I think they could find it in themselves to find a Mexican coach to lead the nothing against foreign coaches leading the Mexican national team but I don't see how you have an Argentinian coach be such a letdown in the World Cup and then you follow it up with another Argentinian head coach like I know it's not the same person, but I think the, the, the masses and the crowds were calling for a Mexican head coach because it did seem like, I don't know if there's conspiracy theories or anything, but it did look like, you know, the, the Argentinian head coach kind of Tata Martino kind of sold the Mexican national team with the with the, with the the lineup that he used against Argentina in the World Cup. And, you know, it's not confirmed or anything, but like after all that, after all the fans crying and like asking for a Mexican head coach for for them to sign Coca, it was just a slap in the face. And, I, and now you see the results. It looks like the it looks like the locker room's not happy. The fans aren't happy. All, all the commentators aren't happy. And I'm not happy. No one's happy, dude. No one's happy seeing this Mexican national team play. No one's happy. Like it's it's it sucks. And it sucks that you know us. I mean, obviously, it sucks for everyone in Mexico, everywhere. But as a Mexican American, you know, 
one of the few times that we get to feel super Mexican is when we see the national team play here in, in the U.S. It's, it's, it's a fun time being able to put the Mexican jersey on and go to a game and, and see your, your football heroes live and in person. And especially in a official match, like usually you get the, you get the friendlies and it's not the same. There's like a thousand subs and you don't get to experience like the real atmosphere, but to see them in a competitive match, I was really excited to see them at the Gold Cup, and I might still go, but it feels like the Mexicans—they don't deserve it. Like the fans really do need to send a message. Yesterday, they did at the at the Allegiant uh, Stadium in Las Vegas. Like it was crazy how empty it was. Um, but how, what can they do? I mean, first of all, they need to fire Coca. Then he needs to go. He he looks incompetent. <laughs> the lineup selection—the lineup selections are just gonna make me pull my hair. Um, or there needs to be some changes in the federation like the way they run things is not working uh they just look at it too much as a business and not as a as you know what it is which is first and foremost it's about football it's about it's about you know putting a good product out there investing in the youth putting a product that the fans could be proud of instead of just you know we're mexicans uh, there's a lot of Mexicans in the U.S. Let's have all these tournaments in the U.S. We'll collect dollars. Or jersey sales are always going to be good. We're always going to qualify to the World Cup because we're in a, a you know pretty weak region. So and we get four spots in this region for the World Cup. So we're always going to make the World Cup. The fans are always going to be there to support. They're they're always going to you know dump money into the national team. We're always going to be rolling in money. It's good. Like who cares if we don't you know improve the product? Who cares if we don't? invest in our youth national team who cares if we don't invest in the academies and who cares if we don't export team export players to europe and grow our 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 football program as a whole who cares like we're still rolling in dough we're still collecting dollars we're still gonna make the world cup we're still gonna get these massive tv deals like ah man it's so sad like mexico with the population that it has with soccer with football being the number one sport in the country with uh with you know these pretty prestigious soccer teams football teams in their league like chivas america with a lot of history like <laughs> mexico should be better by now and the fact that it's not it's um it's pretty sad and i think this is this is as close to rock bottom as as i've seen the mexican national team uh play like there's been some rock bottom times in my in my uh in my life like with Hugo Sanchez me missing the missing the um, Olympics and that that team missing like 100 chances against Haiti back in the day that was that was a low point that was that looked like it couldn't get worse than that it was like how does this team with Ochoa and all these players not make the Olympics like this was like our golden generation at that point for them to not make the Olympics, that was super sad. And that's the main reason uh, Hugo Sanchez got fired. And then after that, it was like, bro, we almost missed the World Cup in 2014. Like, that was dark times. It looked like it could never get worse than that. And then just last year in the World Cup, you know, limping into the World Cup, terrible football in display, terrible World Cup outing, like not making it to the next round at that point you think okay this is rock bottom we're not we really didn't make it to the next round for the first time in like forever and then they signed coca and they put this pathetic product on the field against the u.s and 
very stale game against Panama too. And you're like, okay, this is rock bottom. Like, this is terrible. This, this is horrible. But, you know, this is the first time I really see the fans turn on the on the national team. Like, that stadium was empty. That stadium was fucking empty. So hopefully, hopefully the Federation takes notice. Hopefully CONCACAF takes notice. Hopefully, you know, something gets done. Because, like I said, Mexico is a proud football country. And for them to look this bad embarrassing embarrassing and it can't keep going on to better news my boy Tiafo is into the top 10 he beats john leonard struth in the stuttgart open 250 tournament winning this tournament you know now he's won a tournament in um clay grass and hardcore so one of the few players out there that's won in all three surfaces and he makes his debut into the top 10 so happy for Tiafo. you know now we have two americans in the top 10 I believe Fritz is number eight, Tiafo number 10. First time two Americans are in the top 10 since in 11 years. And it's been, I don't even know how long since an African-American has been in the top 10. So shout out to Tiafo. Super proud of him. And uh, yeah, I think we should all just give a round of applause to Tiafo. He's actually like, he's actually one of my favorite players. Probably like top five. Like if I had to put a quick list, it would be Nadal. It would be Tiafo. Alcaraz, Kyrgios, uh, Rublev. That's probably my top five. Like, those are my players that I like to see. And the thing I like about Tiafo is he's he's a really good player. Um, last year, we seen it with the U.S. Open run that he had with the um, Labor Cup performance that he had. He looked really good there, too. Um, the way he finished, he came on strong last year at the end of the, the second half of the season. And, you know... I got to see him at Indian Wells, and he looked good, too. Um, he couldn't go, like, too, too far. He couldn't make the final or anything, but he looked good. Um, and now now he's in the top 10, so I'm very happy for him. I think uh, he could make some noise in Wimbledon if, if um, you know, his serve is going and and he has that touch at the net. He has pretty soft hands, not going to lie. He didn't go to the net too much um, against John, against John Leonard, but Overall, I think he showed his composure. Tiafo of old, I think one of the things that I've seen the commentators um, point out, um, maybe uh, during his U.S. Open run in the good second half of the season he had last year, was how much more composed he is. Like, he won two sets in the final yesterday against um, John Leonard in tie breaks. And, you know, that's what he was known for in the U.S. Open. He was like 7 or 8-0 and in tie breaks. He, was, he, was, he had an amazing run on tie breaks. And for him to have that composure against um john leonard in the second set to facing elimination basically john leonard had taken the first set tiafo needed to win the second set and he put on a masterpiece seven to one in the tiebreak in the second set to force a third set that was crazy and then he he faced a, a match point and he was able to fight it off in the third set tiebreak tiafo has really come a long way and i think the what the commentator said is that he he kind of figured out that not every not every point that he wins has to be a winner. He doesn't have to hit hit winners. He can just stay in the rally and kind of wait for his opponent to make a mistake or find, you know, find a little passing show or just keep the rally going. And I think he, he looks fitter. He looks uh, like he's in better uh, shape than before. And like I said, now he's not going for the winners every single time. With his, He's definitely lowered his uh, unforced errors. And he just looks good, man. He looks like he's moving good out there. He's enjoying himself. He's doing his little South Bay thing, and he's he's just a fun player. I think that's what drew him, drew my attention to him. Obviously, I support Americans, 
Um, I like I want to see all of them do good. Tommy Paul is kind of close to to getting to the top ten too, so we'll see if he's able to do it. But my boy Tiafo is just he's exciting. He's fun. He brings a lot of energy to the court. He, he celebrates. He he actually has a personality. He uh, sometimes I think uh, tennis players could be too gentleman like. They could be too you know white collar. They could show no emotions and they don't let their personal personality shine. I think Tiafo is the opposite. He really lets his personality shine and he's not afraid to wear his emotions on his sleeve and i like that i like that about tiafo i'm super happy for him especially his story his story is crazy like like most of these tennis players come from rich families they come from a rich background their their um their parents were tennis players or like you know they they were scratching the surface of you know being atp regular or something like that like almost all these players come from affluent families or parents that used to play tennis at a pro level or like semi-pro level, Tiafo had to, you know, get it done in D.C. and Washington. Um, he had to get it out the dirt. So it's super impress- impressive for Tiafo. Like I said, I'm super happy for him. I'm excited to see how he finishes this season. Uh, at first, I thought he wasn't having the best start of the season, but now he has two titles on his belt. Um, and uh, I couldn't be happier for Tiafo. I think he's a great guy. I know a lot of people were hating on him last year because he hit Federer in the Labor Cup, but like like people were saying, like I think um, Federer would appreciate that in his last matches. You know, people were going um, relatively hard at him. They weren't just you know taking it easy because it was his last match. So it is what it is. Tiafo, top ten player. I'm super happy for you. Bradley Beal to the Suns. Beal, Booker, KD. Aiden, how far can the Suns team go? First and foremost, like, pretty crazy news. Pretty crazy news. Beal finally gets out of Washington. Like, he should have left a long time ago, but he did He did get a huge contract. He did get a no-trade clause, so he was able to, you know, kind of dictate where he wanted to go. And now the Suns, the Suns, the Suns are legit. Like, obviously this year they had everyone, and they had CB3, and, and a lot of people were calling them the favorites. In the West, I did think that they were they were one of the favorites in the West. Um, but is this is this enough to push them over the Nuggets and stuff like that? We'll have to see. Although KD still puts up great numbers, I think he he has dropped off a little bit. Even last year, we were able to see Booker take take um, basically the reins of the team. This is Booker's team now. It's not KD's. Uh, a lot of people thought when KD went there, he was gonna be the leader and he was gonna be the number one. It's definitely Booker's team now, and. Uh, We'll see if KD drops off maybe a little bit more this year. Uh, but, you know, they're definitely super top-heavy. I, I believe those are the only players that have a contract in their roster right now. So we'll see how they fill their team out. But crazy, crazy news. Honestly, it's kind of sad. Like, I, I'm over the age. I'm over these times where um, teams have super teams and they just stack the deck. Like, I kind of like well, the, the playoffs this year were really entertaining because it felt like everyone had a chance felt like multiple teams could have gone on runs and with the nuggets winning it i was like okay this is dope you know they just have two stars and like you know solid players around them but now the suns have four legit like really good players kd booker those are like top 10 players Beal when he's on if he's healthy top 20 top 15 maybe you could scratch top 15 but most likely top 20 an an you know he hasn't really lived up to that that draft position that he had i think he was a first overall pick like he's not a first overall pick worthy player now like four or five years into his career but maybe he turns it around 
We'll see if the Suns trade him to get a point guard or get something else. But overall, I don't think, I mean, I do think that Beal is a good player. He has been injury prone the last few years or throughout his career. We'll see if he's able to stay healthy. But overall, I don't think, I don't think this makes the Suns. I do think that they're the most talented team by far in the NBA now. And if everyone stays healthy and they're able to fill out the roster, they could potentially be the favorites. But, you know, I think the Nuggets look really, really scary during this run where I would still probably choose the Nuggets going into next season. But as far as KD, he has no excuses. He has to get a ring, man. He has to get a ring that's not with the Warriors. Like, everywhere he's gone, he's, you know, he's formed a good team. He went to the Nets. He got Harden. He got Kyrie. Couldn't get it done. Um, obviously, for different scenarios, like Harden got hurt. Kyrie got hurt. Um, and then the team fell apart. But KD has to get it done, man. Like, there's no way he doesn't win another another ring without without the Warriors, you know, dynasty to back him up. Like, he needs to get it done. KD... Beal, Booker, A.N., get a point guard, fill out the rest of the team, and go get it. And it's going to be fun to see. I hope we'll see We'll see if the new coach is able to make this work. But like I said, they, they're the most talent, they have the most talent out of any NBA team now. Now, will they be able to get it to work? Will they stay healthy? Will KD stay healthy? I mean, he got injured in warm-ups last year. Um they can't they can't just keep playing like they did last year's playoffs where they were hoping for for KD to go for 40 for Booker to go to 40 and and then you know they they just got to do that every night like their game plan can't be okay you know Booker go for 30 KD go for 35 Beal go for 28 and the rest of the team give us 20 and let's see if we could you know hold them on defense like that can't be the the that can't be their game plan going into next season they got to actually try to figure out how to distribute the ball and like i said it did look like when um the cp3 went down uh, they they did go up a little bit and then it kind of looked like they they teeter off and they fell like no one knew how to run that offense so we'll see who's the point guard if they're able to trade eight in and get something get a point guard to run that offense but overall um i think i think a lot of students were clamoring for them to just trade chris paul create eight in and get some depth behind kd and booker and run it back with just a nice rotation and quality players behind them but they go the opposite route they go all in and then get beal and then they're like you know what fuck it like who cares who the rest of the roster is if we're this top heavy we should be able to get it done and to a certain degree it kind of feels like when the lakers traded for russell westbrook although i think i do think beal is way better than westbrook at that at that stage of westbrook's career when when the lakers got him but we'll see if it works out. Like I said, a lot of uh, a lot of Suns fans were asking for the opposite of this. They were asking for, you know, let's just get rid of CP3's contract. Let's just move Aiton, get off of him. Um, he's been complaining. He hasn't lived up to that billing, his draft position billing. Um, let's just move off both of them, you know, get some quality players, kind of like how the Nuggets did again uh, around uh, Jokic and Murray, and, you know, just let let them cook. Let KD and Booker cook. But they go the opposite route. They get Beal. He's previously been an all-star. If he stays healthy, he's still a really good player. We'll see if that's enough. In my opinion, um, I don't think the Suns are going to win the championship next year. I'll take the field against the Suns. But we'll see. Maybe they do get it done. 
at the very least, they're making moves, and it's an important move. Bradley Beal to the Suns. We'll see if they make it work. But that should do it for this episode of the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. I want to end on a sad note. Um, the intro and the outro music to this podcast was created by my good friend, Akena, who sadly passed away this last weekend. I just want to, you know, my condolences to his family and all our friends out there who are mourning his death. He was a great guy. One of my favorite, favorite friends who always made me laugh and, you know, was just, he was just a good guy. And the world lost a good guy today. So I always remember him. He came onto the show. He was such a personality. Um, he was the nicest guy out there. He, like I said, he, he, he provided me with this intro and outro music, not just the one playing on this episode, but the ones on all the, on all the hard to handle sports podcast episodes, any intro music that you hear, um, came from Nakena, and he just did that because he was a nice guy. He knew that I needed intro music. He was super into music and he, um, yeah i just um you know rest in peace my guy I, I love you i miss you and you know i hope you're in a better place but that should do it for this episode thank you if you made it to the end and have a good rest of your day